Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to our podcast, A Female Lens. This week is our third installment of our collaborative series in partnership with Free the Work, which is a curated talent discovery service of underrepresented creators. Free the Work is a nonprofit founded by Alma Harrell, whom we recently interviewed. Check out their new platform at freethework.com. For our third episode of this series, we interviewed writer and director Sophia Tikal. Sophia directed Always Shine, starring Mackenzie Davis and Caitlin Fitzgerald, which played at the Venice Film Festival and the Tribeca Film Festival. She also co-wrote and directed New Year, New You, the January installment of the Into the Dark Hulu anthology series. And Sophia's latest film is the Blumhouse Universal feature, Black Christmas, which she directed and co-wrote. Black Christmas will be released in theaters today, Friday the 13th. Enjoy! Sophia, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me today. Yeah. So we always start at the beginning. How and when did you become interested in acting and filmmaking? I had have been interested in acting pretty much my whole life. I really remember the moment that I decided I wanted to be an actor was when I was watching Judy Garland in Meet Me in St. Louis. And I became like very, very, very obsessed with Judy Garland for pretty much my whole childhood until I was like 15 years old. Still pretty obsessed with her. Um, <laughs> and so at that point, I just like 100% committed myself to being an actor. Um, but when I went to college, I decided to study film instead of theater because I went to a liberal arts school and you had to study like all the facets of either film or theater. And I was just not interested in like learning how to light for the stage. Um, and I was really interested in watching movies all day. So I decided to study film. Um, and that's where I met my husband. Um, and he's a director and a writer and also an actor. Um, and we started making movies together. And after we made one movie together, I watched him work and I thought, oh, wow, directing seems really fun. Maybe I'll give that a shot too. And so we made a movie together with our roommate at the time called Green. And that was like a very small, intimate film that we made for pretty much no money. Um, and it was really, really fun. And I felt like better suited to directing than acting maybe my personality at that point um I guess just because I'm like pretty opinionated I don't really like feeling like a puppet um <laughs> and um and you know I have had very great experiences as an actor working with directors I've loved but I think a lot, especially like I hate auditioning and I hate how so much of at least at the time I don't know if it's changed I, I, I don't know at, at the time so much of my focus was on my physical appearance as an actor and I felt like that was really um it wasn't good for my psychology I just like could not be okay with how I looked I always felt like I wasn't attractive enough um and as a director I just felt really in my power um and like I had something to say and that it was worth exploring from behind the camera you recently co-wrote and directed Black Christmas in theaters December 13th, um, which is a fresh take on Bob Clark's 1974 original. 
What challenges did you experience with taking on a remake and what surprised you by that process? Well, the biggest challenge uh, making Black Christmas was that Blumhouse gave me this opportunity but also had a very short timeline to work in. So they approached me earlier this year uh, and said, we have the rights to Black Christmas. Do you want to remake it? We don't have a script. You can write whatever script, but it has to come out December 13th. So it was really, really fast. Um, and I think that the original Black Christmas is a great movie, and it's I think it's really feminist because it's just like about a woman ter- terrorized because she wants to have an abortion so she doesn't have to give up her career. Um, and so I wouldn't say that, like, what I'm about to say is totally correlates to that movie in particular but to slasher movies in general i i kind of didn't want to make a movie in 2019 about a bunch of women just getting killed by some random dude um it just felt after this was like you know they approached me like a few months after the brett kavanaugh hearings and it just felt like we really didn't need that kind of violence towards women and so i i guess a challenge was trying to figure out how to take this movie that was a slasher movie that did have feminist undertones at the time modernize it and say something new and different that spoke to our contemporary moment. Um, and I think hopefully I was able to do that. Uh, I guess it's not like a direct remake. It's more inspired by the feelings that I got when I watched the original Black Christmas. And by that I mean um, when I watched the first movie, this is like a spoiler for the original Black Christmas, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you you think that the killer is the main character's boyfriend because he's mad that she wants to get an abortion and she ends up killing her boyfriend in self-defense. Um, and you think that she's figured the whole thing out and the cops come and case closed and then the very last shot of the movie is her alone and the actual killer coming in and you never see his face he's a disembodied voice for most of the movie and when I watched that in 2019 I'd seen the movie before but like revisiting it before I decided whether or not it made sense to make this movie after the Brett Kavanaugh hearings after Donald Trump being elected after everything the Me Too movement and everything that we'd gone through um it seemed so clear to me that that represented misogyny and that just when you think um, you've won or you've beat beaten the patriarchy in some way or that like we're making progress, it's actually still lurking in the shadows and you always have to be vigilant and you can't ever be asleep. And like, again, yeah, it was like the Brett Kavanaugh stuff. It was also like Louis C.K. was back doing comedy. And it was just like all of these people who we had, who had been called out by the Me Too movement seemed to sort of be like coming back into the zeitgeist and trying to rebuild their reputations um, without having like a real reckoning, I think, about what they'd done. Um, And so that really resonated with me when I watched the movie and I wanted to make a movie about that feeling, that feeling of like just when you think you've taken a step forward and made progress, like no, there's a certain kind of toxic masculinity that's just waiting in the wings to come back and, and destroy you. Ugh. Uplifting, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a super fun movie. I mean, it's like a fun horror no, slasher very, movie. Yeah. So, like that was—I guess—that was the surprising thing is that even with that kind of like, it's a really raging movie in a way that feels really empowering to me. Like, it's just a—it's just I'm fucking pissed about some shit, and like I'm—I'm I'm putting it on screen, and it feels. I felt like all the women involved in the movie were really galvanized by it. I worked with a ton of men behind the scenes who were also really, really committed to making this movie and exploring what we wanted to say. And I thought that that was really exciting to just have a bunch of the same kinds of men that we're looking critically at in the movie, like being totally down to help. 
Um, and that made me feel like there was actually progress being made and that, um, like I didn't experience any sort of like bad feelings because I was a youngish female director. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I would say like, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's, it's sort of like we're taking, you know, it's about a group of women taking their power back and reclaiming their narrative, um, after experiencing trauma. So we're curious about the writing process for the remake. How does, are there any rules about remakes? First of all, you said you kind of based it on your feelings from the first film. And then how was the co-writing process with April Wolf? Originally, Blumhouse, I don't know if they like me saying this. I have no idea. I haven't asked. Originally, Blumhouse had said to me, you can do whatever you want as long as it's called Black Christmas. And then I like called them back and I was like, do you really mean whatever I want? And they were like, no, we don't really mean that. <laughs> like, it has to have certain similarities to the original. It has to be set in a sorority. It has to be set in Christmas. It has to be a slasher movie. Like, There has to be tonal similarities to it. But like, you don't have to do like a shot for shot remake or even the same plot as the original. Interesting. Um, I think they'd had a lot of success with Halloween and this idea of like, you can throw some stuff away and if people are fans of the movie, they'll still appreciate it. And for people who haven't maybe been keeping track of the whole series of Halloweens or whatever, like there's something new for them to like. So they kind of applied that philosophy to this movie. Um, and I started off writing alone and try, I tried a few different directions. I, like, tried one version that was, like, some really dark, like, incel version of it with, like, a school shooting. And they were like, no, no one wants to see that. <laughs> and then I did, like, a more straight-ahead slasher movie that had, you know, these really complex female characters, which I think is another thing the original has that I really wanted to um, adapt for modern time. Um, but it... But it it didn't capture that thing that I said was important to me, which is this idea of misogyny not being killable. So I had just recently been in touch with April Wolf because she's a film critic and she liked my movie Always Shine. And she came to see a screening of this Hulu movie that I did for Blumhouse and we reconnected there. Uh, I'd actually done her podcast once and that's where we first met. Um, and I sent her my script because she's a huge, huge, huge horror fan. And I thought maybe she just, as a friend, would be able to give me some notes. And she read the script and just asked, sent me an email back with, like, a bunch of questions that were, like, not questions about the script, but, like, what if you tried this? Or what, what would happen if this, you know, happened? And they were all so open-ended and so engaged and thoughtful. And I had, like, only had a month to write the script and had already written, like, five different versions in, like, two weeks. And I was, like, already burnt out. And I was, like, I have to make a movie and finish a script. It was just, like, I was already daunted by the timeline. So I said to her, like, how would you feel if I asked Blumhouse if we could write this script together? Like, I think your ideas are really great. And so um, Blumhouse agreed to have her come on board. And, and we ended up basically taking the characters that I'd created and the sort of structure that I created, but weaving in a little bit more... Uh, I, of the supernatural of creates I don't know without giving away too much yeah of the supernatural she like just like took it into a less literal place which I think really helped to open it up so just to clarify they approached you yeah. at Blumhouse and did you start like right then researching and, and writing and you had a month and then with April you wrote the rest you wrote the whole thing in the last two weeks that you had I'm trying to remember the timeline like I think I started writing it in March and I think April came on in April <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we were in New Zealand in May, but we did 
six or seven weeks of prep in New Zealand. And during that time, April was there for, for part of it. And we were continuing to develop the story together. So we were rewriting the script while, you know, while we were still prepping the movie and, and some really fun and exciting discoveries happened while we were in New Zealand. So we had like, we had to get a draft that was good enough for them to greenlight the movie before we left. Um, and that's what we did together in that month. So then you shot the movie in New Zealand. Yes. Was that kind of a preset choice from Blumhouse or did you, you're like, that was, um, you know, very early on, we kind of talked, we, because it had to come out this winter and we only could shoot it this summer. Got it. We had to go somewhere in the Southern Hemisphere. That makes sense. And so there was like questions that like, should we go to South Africa? Should we go to Australia? And they, Blumhouse just wound up on New Zealand and I had a great time shooting there. Yeah. I wouldn't um, say no to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. <laughs> it was amazing. really fun. Yeah. Wow. And they had like, I think the reason they picked like the particular place they did is because there was like one college town with like a college building that looked like New England. And so that's sort of what, why we wound up exactly where we wound up hmm. in in New Zealand. Wow. And how many days were you shooting for? 27. I think usually the process, I don't know if this is normal. I think the idea was because we wouldn't have time necessarily, we weren't guaranteed to have time in post to do pickups or reshoots if we needed to. We, we had a few extra days than I think might have normally um, been given to us just to like fold, basically like fold reshoots in to the shoot right. so that if we like discovered we were missing things, we could mm -hmm. get it as we went. Were you casting from New Zealand then? I, no. We, I mean, it's so crazy. We were like casting off of an unfinished script. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, how did this yeah, all did fit you? in the calendar? I'm just it really did. It really did. Basically, <laughs> I mean, it's such a miracle. I'm like so proud of the movie, and I cannot believe that it, we pulled it off. Yeah, I was like, you know, I would like do casting for a couple hours in the morning, and then go and meet up with April and start writing or revising, or like meet with the producers at Blumhouse for, to get notes. It was just like different places all the time. But Terry Taylor, who's like the Blumhouse casting director, was a really awesome amazing casting director um and she just brought in some really great actresses and basically what we ended up doing was we read everyone for riley who's the main character who is played by imogen poots everyone read her part and then from there we kind of like cast other the other yeah, parts and it. then like might have some people come in to read the other roles that I was thinking of them for and I think like she brought such great people and everyone ended up being so perfect for the parts that they played um and then so that was for the four lead women um and then I was casting the rest in New Zealand and there's a bunch of Kiwi actors New Zealand actors who are so so good um and were like so fun to work with uh I really enjoyed them and they're just like a bunch of young talent that I we used a New Zealand casting director also um and so I went and met up with her and like did a casting day in Wellington and a casting day in Auckland and it was kind of fun that's awesome <laughs> yeah. that's really cool what draws you to horror films and have you always had an affinity for them I have not always had an affinity for, for them and I would say I probably don't continue not to have an affinity <laughs> for watching them they scare me so much um, I think what I like about or what I've been drawn to about making things that have kind of a creepy vibe is that I think you know I can talk about all of these ideas these ideas about gender and feminism um, in a pretty cerebral way but when you put all those ideas into a horror movie you're still getting like the fun and excitement and thrills of like seeing someone get killed and like getting so scared and having your heart race so that it doesn't feel like you're eating spinach um and I think that's like a good way of 
getting I don't want to say getting through to people because that sounds so like directive but like yeah I think it's a good way of relaxing people enough into the ideas that they can kind of absorb and talk and think about it without rolling their eyes I mean obviously a movie like Get Out is an incredible example of that um, but even like older movies like The Shining or Rosemary's Baby do a really good job of exploring in particular with those two movies I think like gender dynamics um, and still have something like fun and exhilarating if someone doesn't feel like dealing with that do you think you will venture out of horror or you want are you going to continue I would like to venture say? out of horror yeah yeah well you know what's also really funny is like I think this is the first horror movie I've made like if I think about my other movies like there's just scary mu- music like right there's nothing like, like there's no ghosts <laughs> there's no goblins there's no devils there's no like slashing they just have scary like music like the thriller yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but I and I think maybe because rightly or not people perceive there to be a dearth of women who direct horror like that level of like genre is maybe sufficient enough to be considered a horror director do you know what I mean yeah. as a woman yeah. um but I do hope you know I love I mean like When Harry Met Sally is my favorite movie of all time and I can watch it like five days five times in one day like I've actually watched that movie five times in one day <laughs> so like I would love to make a movie like that <laughs> Amazing. Um, going back to horror, can you talk a little bit about working on Blumhouse's Into the Dark Hulu anthology series? You did New Year, New You. Um, each episode is feature length, which sounds like a very unique TV directing experience. Yeah, it was my first time directing TV, um, but it was so much more like directing a movie. That was another really fast timeline. Like they sent me a script that I kind of re- pretty much did a page one rewrite of. Um, in a couple weeks and, uh, and then had three weeks to shoot it. And that was, that was a really, that was of all the movies I've done. I think that's the movie where I can see the most growth for me. Like it was the first time working with a union crew and working on, on, with a big budget and not just like living in a house with people and making a movie and proving to myself that I was able to do that and like fit into that world without feeling like a fraud was really exciting and I think allowed me to direct Black Christmas um and it was a it was again it was like a really cool experience where but what what Blumhouse is so cool about is that they really like allow filmmakers to feel ownership over what they're making so even though they brought me Black Christmas it was very much about like what do you want to do with this how can we help make what you want to do the best version it can be it never felt like someone was saying like no that's the wrong way to make it and same with new year new you i kept think i kept hearing that like in tv the director only edits for like a week and then the producers take over and you don't really it's not really like your thing and it was a it was more like a film timeline in terms of like how long we had to edit too and I kept waiting for them to be like okay your version is done the director's cut is done but the whole time they were just like giving notes and and really engaged but not in a way where it felt like they were taking anything away or trying to make it something other than what it was and that was that's just been one of the reasons why I keep wanting to work with Blumhouse um because they are so filmmaker friendly I guess yeah, it sounds like a real like collaborative experience. Yeah, it is a really collaborative experience, which is really cool for like that's, a Hollywood thing. Yeah, you just like don't totally. think of that as being how it is. No, that's why I'm like that sounds mm-hmm. noteworthy. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel are the differences between directing your own story that you've written versus directing someone else's script and or idea? I've been thinking about that a lot. 
because I can't because um, I can't decide if it's better if what I'm about uh, okay basically I feel like when it's not coming from me I feel less ownership over it in a way that feels kind of liberating like I can look at it more objectively so I think as a craftsman that's better like a craftswoman that's better um like I can like tell if the movie's bad you know what's working and what's not I'm not attached to anything it's not like something that's totally drawn from my life so I'm not beholden to it but I think that there's something that feels a little bit less um exhilarating about that process too like it feels less high stakes I mean there's like this felt high stakes because it was like a big movie with a big budget and I like had a responsibility towards like other people. But in terms of like the emotional tenor of how I was carrying the project, I think, look, I was happier than when I like make my own movies and I was like able to be a little bit more low stress relatively. But, um, but there was something that I felt a little bit like, Oh, this feels a little different. Like it doesn't feel even working with the actors. And I can't tell if this was just like a bigger movie. So maybe if I did a bigger movie again, but of my own script, maybe it would feel the same way. It was just like, Oh, we're not all living together. Oh, they're not like, I'm not talking. They're not like interpreting my life experience or the, the emotions that I'm trying to explore. And so there was something that felt a little bit more removed, but again, like there was something that was great about how, you know, that, that remove. I think it allowed me to see the movie clearly and keep like perspective throughout the whole process. And I think it's about finding a balance between making movies that feel really deep. Find I think like what I would like to do is find scripts that really, really, really speak to um, my experience or something I want to explore about another person's experience. Um, but you know, I like I did write this movie even though the idea didn't come from me. And so I guess there's part of me in it. This was also weird because it was, like, writing with a stranger, pretty much. So, like, there's, like, both of us in it, which is, I think it's an interesting thing to see how two people kind of combine into these characters. My husband wrote Always Shine, and that was based on me and, and a f person I knew. And so that, like, even though it wasn't me writing it, like, it was about me, and he knows me so, so well that I it felt like my voice in a way. Um, but April and I, like, really didn't know each other except for a few conversations, so it was interesting. When you're starting out on a project that you're directing, where do you go for, for like visual inspiration and like stylistically, like when you're, you know, then communicating to your DP, how you want it to look? Yeah. How do you kind of prep for that? I go on Pinterest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 it, it kind of varies from movie to movie, but I am really, I'd say all my work is like at least up until now, I like very much influenced by American cinema from the 1970s. So I'll start with kind of like the basics, like watch The Shining, watch Three Women. Um, for this movie, we watched Eyes Wide Shut um, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers and some Brian De Palma. But I'll just pick kind of the... I will really, I will just go on Pinterest and just find the stills from those movies and then like go to their like suggested images and then I'll just like throw some stuff together. Um, so yeah, you've talked about your husband, Lawrence Michael Levine, um, and you collaborate with him on a number of projects, uh, both of you in, in various roles on them. Can you tell us about this collaborative partnership you have with him? Yeah, I, <laughs> well, we're going to couples therapy to talk about it a lot lately. Um, <laughs> we started, you know, we started off 
you know, dating and romantic, but the whole time it was so much about creative exploration together. Um, so from the beginning, we've kind of tried to figure out ways of working together. And I think the like the way we broke it down is like he's a stronger writer and I'm a stronger producer. So whoever's directing, like he'll write it and I'll produce it. Um, and I've found it to be extraordinarily creatively fulfilling to work with him and very, very emotionally fraught. And we fight a lot when we're working together. We're both, we both have very dominant personalities and I think it's hard for either of us to take the passenger seat, back seat, I don't know, to the other person. Um, and we used to have this rule where it's just like, whoever's directing the movie gets the final say when we're writing. Cause even though he writes the scripts, we'll like confer about story. Um, and then a couple years ago, I think a lot had happened. Like I had directed Always Shine and he had written it. And I think, you know, because the movie's about women and stars two women and is directed by a woman, I think his contribution to the movie, which was essential. I mean, I think what makes that movie so good is the script was kind of overlooked. And I think he started to feel a little bit like it was maybe time to do something on his own and, you know, have his own voice. You know, we'd been like, we'd moved to LA. We were like, you know, working on a pilot and we were doing all this stuff together. And I think, again, I like have a very overbearing personality. So I think he felt maybe a little bit overtaken by me. Um, and he had been so supportive and, and I think wanted to just take a step back. So that's also like been an interesting thing about this year is that I went off to do this and he made a movie on his own too that he wrote and directed. Um, and it's been really interesting to try to figure out what it means to collaborate together as, as romantic partners and not as work partners in the same way. Um, just for this year, I don't think it's going to be like that forever, but it's just been really interesting. We get along so much better. Like we fight so much less. It's crazy, but it's kind of similar to that. Um, I think I was talking about whether it's like something that you originate on your own or it's like, there's something that feels a little bit less, not less. Cause that makes it seem like I'm down on the relationship, but there's like something that feels a little bit like missing in terms of that, like that high stakes, we're making something, we're doing something. I think making art is a really, it's when I feel really alive is when I'm working on art. And so to feel alive with my romantic partner feels really good, even if it ends up being really bad for us. Um, so, <laughs> so this is what we talk about in couples therapy and, <laughs> um, but it, but it's been a I've learned so much from him. I learned about working with actors from watching him work with actors. I've learned about writing from watching him write and having him revise what I like you know even on New Year New You he didn't get a writing credit but he helped me immensely on that and came in and would just like help you know read scenes and revise scenes with me um and I think I've I've grown so much just by having him be so supportive and helpful where do you draw creative inspiration from when you are in between projects if you're ever in between projects I usually I usually, well, I haven't had a chance to draw inspiration. I guess, like, in this case, like, from the, it's always from my feelings, like, however I'm feeling, whatever project is available to me, I think, if it speaks to whatever hang-ups I have or whatever, it's usually negative feelings, like anger, rage, sadness, that's where I usually draw inspiration from. 
That resonates. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. What is your vision for your future? Like, what is something you would like to tackle next? I would love to make One Harry Met Sally. Um, <laughs> I, I have never, ever, ever thought about anything beyond what I want to make a movie about next, which is so weird. Like, I don't have, like, a idea of myself in 20 years and I wonder I've always wondered if that's because there aren't so many women from like prior generations to look to to compare yourself to like you know people are like I want to be like Quentin Tarantino or I want to be like John Cassavetes or whoever um whoever people want to be like um (laughs) but there hasn't really been the same kind of career trajectory that that I can point to and be like that's kind of what I want so I know like the things that are kind of circling in my brain right now and what I've noticed that I'm preoccupied by I think that's what it is for inspiration is like what I find myself coming back to and thinking about over and over and over again and realizing like that's what I'm supposed to make a movie about because I keep thinking about it um and so I would and then like I have like more like non-emotional things like I would love to make a movie about men I would love to to tell that a story from like a different perspective and to to do a romantic comedy seriously i really would like to do that <laughs> i feel that <laughs> ending with our rapid response segment three two one action three your favorite or most influential film i think we might know when harry met sally <laughs> <laughs> two dream person you would like to work with tilda swindon one best advice you've ever received i really like this jay-z lyric he who does not feel me is not real to me, therefore he does not exist, so poof, bamus, son of a bitch. Which feels like really good advice to me. And action, what are you most looking forward to right now? Thanksgiving dinner! <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And where can people follow you or watch your films? Are you on social media? I'm private on social media. Definitely. Sorry. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Where can people? You can watch my older movies on Amazon, and then Black Christmas comes out Friday, December thirteenth, and then theaters around the country, which is so cool. That's Ooh. so exciting! Yeah. Wow. Well, we're really excited to see it. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. You can find us at afemalelens.com and at afemalelens on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at afemalelens at gmail.com. And you can download the show anywhere you listen to podcasts and on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you left us a review. Our theme song was composed by Jesse Nelson. Our logos were created by Megan Cafferty. Elise Welch is our associate producer. And A Female Lens was created by Jennifer Zollett and Larkin Bell.